my name is Dorothy. Um, I wear a lot of hats here, and today I have the privilege of speaking, um, speaking with you. Um, I want to start off this evening by asking, what is the favorite gift that you've ever received? A piano. Oh, I love that. What else? What are your favorite gifts that you've received? Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Well, one of the favorite gifts that I have ever received is this watch. Some family friends gave it to me before I started high school, and I wore it every single day, rain or shine, no matter where I was going. And it just, it was a part of who I was. It was a part of, of what I, like, what people thought of me when they thought of me they thought of the blue watch and then one day the band broke and I was devastated I actually cried like shed multiple tears because I just loved this watch so much obviously we replaced the band um, a couple of times actually but this watch is just so special to me it went up north with me, it went to camp with me, it went in lakes and pools, it went to Italy with me, I went to prom wearing it, I wore it to my senior recital, it saw me off to college, and so much more. It doesn't work anymore, but I still have it, because one, I'm a super sentimental person, and two, because it was just such a constant in my life for so long that I just want to hold on to it. I still wear a watch every day, and this one, this is the reason why. The gifts that we get can bring so much joy. The same is true with gifts from God, whether that is a person or a talent or an answered prayer or a season of life. But I think that sometimes it can be harder to realize that the gifts we have received from God are, in fact, gifts, and then find joy in them. Sometimes we don't recognize what our gifts are, and once we do, it can be easier to find joy in them, and then use those gifts in the way that God has planned for us. Gifts are an important part of the Christmas story. You would turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, we can see why. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 say this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. 
After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. There's a lot to unpack here, and I'm a, you're just going to have to bear with me because I'm about to in, uh, unleash my inner Bible nerd for a minute. <laughs> First of all, who are the Magi? Well, in other translations, they're called the wise men. Um, and I've got to be real with you guys. When I was little, I was convinced that the wise men looked like this. <sighs> um, yeah, you, yeah, you're looking at the Godfather, Al Capone, and Danny DeVito. <laughs> the reason um, is because my dad always called them the wise guys. Just like that, the wise guys. <laughs> and it just gave me major mafia vibes for some reason. I don't know why... Danny DeVito fits that vibe. Um, <laughs> I don't know why Danny DeVito looked like a wise man to me, but probably from those like M&M commercials or something. But you can imagine the shock that little me had when I found out that the wise man didn't look like this, but looked probably more like that. Now that we've gotten that confusion out of the way, let's talk about who the Magi actually were. The Magi, or wise men from the East, were likely scholars or priests from the uh, Babylon or Persia area. They would have been well-read nobles uh, who studied astronomy and texts from both their own countries and cultures, but from others as well. While we all know about the three wise men as told in our Western Christmas tradition, it's more than likely incorrect. According to Eastern and Persian tradition, they're probably would have been about 12 magi. Okay, now that we know that the magi are not mafia bosses, <laughs> let's talk about what they were doing and why they were doing it. They are seeking the newborn Messiah, the king of the Jews. Why? Why are foreign priests traveling to another country to seek another, like, another king, a, a, a god who they don't worship. Well, they have read, they would have read the prophecies of Isaiah and Micah regarding the coming of the Messiah. And they are this. Isaiah chapter 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and seven, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And Micah chapter five, verse two. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, 
Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Now all of these chapters do go more in detail about the coming of the Messiah and, and how, he, how he will be coming, but these verses specifically are the meaty specifics that tie into our story. When the star shows up in the east, the Magi notice it immediately, and then they go to travel where the star is leading. It's unclear how the Magi know that the star meant that Jesus had been born, but I truly believe that they had some help from God. They stop in Jerusalem on the way to talk to King Herod and say, where's the one who has been born, King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And Herod has to pull his scholars and the priests aside and be like, what are they talking about? What's going on? Because he doesn't really have a clue. Um, but after Herod gets the details about where the Messiah is to be born, he asks the Magi when the star appeared. And he asks him, asks them to let him know when they find Jesus so that he may go and worship him too. Of course, we know that that's not Herod's intention. Um, but one thing that's so interesting to me is that when the Magi show up in Jerusalem, the scripture says that Herod was deeply disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. I think the reason for this was because most of the Jewish community was probably expecting the Messiah not to come as a baby. They knew about the prophecies in Isaiah and Micah, um, but I think the people that thought, I think the people thought that he would grow up kind of behind the scenes and out of the way, and then come bursting through as a grown-up warrior king in the likes of David and physically deliver them from their enemies by conquering them all. But the Magi came expecting a child. They understood that baby Jesus is the son of God, that he had been born, and that he deserved to be worshipped as a king. So they set off to Bethlehem to worship Jesus. Fun fact about the Bible, the first people we hear about worshiping Jesus are the shepherds, who would have been the lowliest of lows in the Jewish hierarchy. Nobody gave a second thought to them. And the magi, who were foreign people, aka not Jewish, which just solidifies for me that Jesus came for all people. Here's another debunk of the nativity scene. The Magi did not meet Jesus the night that he was born. <laughs> In Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, it specifically states that they went to the house that they were staying in, not the stable. Based on Herod's decree, which he made based on the information he got about the star from the Magi, Jesus could have been up to two years old. I love that in the text it says that they are overjoyed upon finding where the star was leading them. Matthew 2:11 says, "On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh." These gifts that the magi presented to Jesus 
are gifts of and for royalty. I think that these gifts are important physically, uh, but also symbolically for both the story of Jesus's birth and Jesus's whole life story. Let me explain a little bit. The gold likely helped Jesus and his family when they fled to Egypt um, after hearing about Herod's decree. And we don't know how long they were in Egypt, but we do know that God provided for them and called them out when Herod had died. Frankincense is a perfume and a spiritual incense. And I think this gift symbolized that the fact that Jesus is God as frankincense was used in the temple and in the tabernacle as a sacred and pure incense within the presence of God. And anyone who wore it other than the specified priests would be cut off from the community. Myrrh is a sacred anointing oil and also a burial oil. I think that this symbolizes the recognition of Jesus as king because the kings of Israel were anointed with oil, and Jesus came to rule over all people. I also think that the gift of myrrh foreshadows Jesus' death, as it was also used as a burial oil, and we know from later in Jesus' life, specifically in John chapter 19, um, when Jesus has died, his body is prepared for burial with a mixture of myrrh and aloes. I think while the Magi brought incredible and important gifts to Jesus, they also understood that Jesus himself is a gift to us. They sought him out specifically to worship him. How can we do the same thing? We can see God in our gifts. We can praise him for them, but how do we do that? I think firstly, it's important to recognize our gifts, whether they are physical or spiritual. Maybe God has blessed you with a specific talent, or maybe he's placed you um, in a specific season, or maybe he's put a person in your life who's helped you get through a tough time. Whatever it is, recognize it as a gift from God and praise him for it. I know that it can be so easy to be discontent with our gifts in any sense. Maybe you really wanted one specific thing and you just didn't get it. Or maybe you received something from someone that just you don't like. You just look at it and you look at them and you're like, you don't know me at all. Or maybe you can do something, but somebody else can do it better than you. Or maybe you wish you could do something that somebody else can do. It's so easy to fall into this pattern of wanting more and more and more when we have exactly what we need right in front of us. It's easy to seek joy in what God has given us. Even when we know that there will always be something or someone better, but when we seek God's plan for us within our gifts, it can help us find joy and contentment in the seasons that we are in right now. Something that I learned recently is that sometimes the gifts that God has given us are not permanent. Sometimes we outgrow them just as we outgrew clothes and shoes when we were kids. And I truly believe that even when something ends or is outgrown, it is also a gift from God 
because it means we have grown and have been prepared for something greater. While it can be so hard to let things go and let things end, it is important to recognize that the space to grow is a gift. And like it says in Ecclesiastes, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Maybe this season is hard and confusing and you don't know what to do with your gifts or even what your gifts are. And when that happens, it can be easy to fall into discontentment. I remember when I was in college, I would get so frustrated when I wasn't able to do things as well as my peers or when my project was the only project that looked different from all of my classmates. I got so caught up in the thoughts of why is this so hard for me or why can't I do this like my peers? It took me a while to learn that my educational gifts are different than my peers. And that's such a beautiful thing because God has equipped me with the gifts that I needed to get where I am and he will continue to do so as I go forward in, his, in my life. And I know that he will continue to equip you with the gifts that you need for the season that you're in. I want to remind you all that your gifts are so special and unique to you. God has given you exactly what you need to succeed and what you need in accordance to his plan. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, I think it's just an amazing place to start when we want to know more about our gifts, especially our spiritual gifts and how they work together. In verses 27 to 31, it says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. If everyone had the same gift, it would be really hard to get things done. And I think the world would be kind of boring. God has blessed us with specifically designed gifts in the way that he has prepared for us according to his plan. And God is never wrong so how can your gifts be inadequate? The answer is, they're not. Sometimes we just have to learn how to use them. I want to encourage you this season to think about your gifts and to thank God for them. Ask him how you can use your gifts to shine the light and further his kingdom. You are talented. You are special. Pray with me. Father God, I just thank you for every person in this room and every person who's watching online. I pray that you will help them learn to use their gifts in the way that you have designed for them. I praise you that you have given every single person their own specifically designed set of gifts from you. I pray as we go forward in this season, Lord, that we will figure out and learn and ask you, how do we use 
us our gifts. And I pray that we all will find contentment within our gifts this season. In your holy name, amen.